She's a podcaster and author of nine books who helps people get to know themselves better through connecting with nature so they can feel happier and more fulfilled. She enjoys spending time outdoors, walking long distance trails, and exploring Britain's sacred sites. She is also a member of a Druid Order. Firecrackers, please welcome Holly Wharton. Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. You are an outdoorsy girl, aren't you? I am an outdoorsy girl. (laughs) (laughs) You just wrote a book called If Trees Could Talk, right? Yes. Tell me about that book. So this book is a collection of stories from trees. So um, I'm an outdoorsy girl, spent a lot of time out in nature. I live in England, so it's really safe to wander around in the woods by yourself for hours on end. and I was in the woods, this was about a year and a half ago now, and I, I talked to the trees, the trees talk back. I know that's a little bit weird for some people, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but let's just get right in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this tree gave me an idea for this book. I'd been working on a novel at the time and it was really rough going. And this tree basically said, look, you know, we trees have stories, um, you can write a book telling our stories and that book's going to be easier for you to write than the book that you're currently writing. So why don't you just tell our stories? <laughs> wow. And why, so what I type of stories are there? Are there stories that the trees have, you know, that they're the characters of a story or, I mean, you know, well, or they think they have seen through time because trees live a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I'm in England. So, I mean, there are trees that have been here for like thousands of years. So, I thought it was going to be like cute little fairy tales or that kind of thing, but it was, it was a lot of stories about how people can slow down, go out in nature and connect with themselves and get to know themselves better through spending time with the trees. That was kind of the overarching theme of it. Well, that sounds very inspiring. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, I just, I absolutely love being alone in nature but I used to do a lot of walking and hiking, and that book really got me to slow down and just sit, sit next to a tree, listen to the birds, listen to the squirrels, and just be still in nature. And so it, it really changed my relationship with nature. I'm not a very, I mean, I am an outdoorsy kind of girl, but not really into forests or, I mean, I can't really walk outdoors where I live. It's not safe, but yeah. I rather go to like the ocean. Like the, for me, the ocean is, is everything. Yeah. But it's funny because um, I, was, I was on vacation a couple of months ago and I was with a friend and we were going into a cafe. This was in, in Germany. Mm-hmm. And there was a tree outside and there was a, a big sign of the tree that said, Please hug this tree. <laughs> oh, it was just that, like hug this tree. That was all. So I was like, I, I know I've heard about tree huggers before. I don't think it's a really, I, I mean, the term as I've heard it, it can be, you know, said in, in with a negative connotation. Or yeah, and depends on how you, your, you know, your intonation and how you use it. 
uh, but my friend actually decided to have this tree. So I took a picture of her and I thought it was, um, I mean, trees are living things, right? So yeah, yeah. eat with them. How do you talk to a tree? Well, well, it's kind of telepathic. I mean, I, I, I will speak out loud to them, but then I hear their voices in my head. So it's kind of like channeling the mm-hmm. spirit of the tree. Um, and, and throughout this year, I've actually done a plant spirit healing apprenticeship. So I've learned how to work with the spirits of plants as well as trees. Wow. Yeah. And good and stuff. <laughs> that also includes, I guess, the healing powers of plants, of certain plants. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. So it's, it's about calling in the spirits of the plants to, to help heal people. And it's, it's really taken my own personal healing to a, a really deep level. So it's, it's been fantastic. So all of this that you're telling me, um, I've seen this kind of interest on plants, mainly mm. on uh, like, um, how do you call it? Like communities that have like very, um, you know, it's, they have a long history that has been attached to the plants. So for example, in, in, I'm from Colombia, as you know, mm-hmm. and in my side of the world, you see people that live in the, in the Amazonian forest. For example, they have that type of relationship with plants. I'm um, talking about indigenous people, of course. And um, but you're uh, you're American, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. You live in 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 Britain. In yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you also you also mentioned something about uh, you know Britain's sacred sites. So yes, I know that there's Stonehenge, of course. <laughs> That's about yes. it. That's the only one I know. <laughs> Um, but the relationship with plants in in the UK specifically, um, how tight is it? You know what I mean? Like how? That's a good question. Um, I, I'm not even sure how to start answering that. I, I mean, I really think that people here are kind of similar to Americans in the sense that a lot of people don't have that spiritual connection with plants. And I've always felt a really deep connection to nature. I grew up in California and I spent a lot of time outdoors, kind of walking. Um, Again, it's, you know, there's wild animals there, so it's not as safe as it is here. But in between California and England, I lived in Latin America for a big chunk of my life. And particularly in Mexico, I lived in Southeast Mexico where there were a lot of Mayan communities. And I really feel like I got closer to kind of having that healing connection with plants and that spiritual connection with plants living in Mexico. I mean, when I got sick, you know, I would go to a Mayan healer, I wouldn't go to the doctor. So I think that was really where I started to deepen my connection to the healing power of plants and then probably carry that over. Then I moved to South America, then I moved to England. And then I think I always had that kind of interest in the back of my mind. So Mm -hmm. that's probably what helped. That's really interesting. Now, I'm curious, but before I ask you why you moved around so much, there was something else. You're part of a druid order, am I right? Yes. Yes. What, is, what does that mean? Because I've never heard about that before. Oh, excellent. Okay. So <laughs> druidry is the ancient spirituality of Britain. So before Christianity, um, the people here were pagan. Um, so it's, it's a nature-based spirituality. It's what British people were before Christians came over. Um, And there's been kind of a Druid revival in the last, I don't know, 100, 150 years where people are starting to reconnect with that spiritual connection to nature and and honor the changing of the seasons and the pagan holidays. Um, So yeah, so it's about a reconnection to that, that spiritual side of nature. That's very interesting. 
I was very into Wicca when I was younger. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it, is it yep. similar? Um, different but similar, yes. I think the, the founder of my Druid Order, I think, used to be friends with uh, Alistair Crowley, who was also a pagan Wicca guy, I think. Yeah, well, I, I guess, it, I mean, I think it's a very good thing that humanity nowadays, especially, you know, yeah. living in this really fast-paced world, all yeah. the technology and, you know, just reconnecting with nature, which is essentially our roots, basically. It's what we did yeah. thousands of years ago. Exactly. We depended yeah. on nature exclusively to survive, basically. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've lost that connection. Like, we're so we're so focused on technology and having, you know, the latest iPhone and the best computer and, and we're behind a screen all day. And it's like, we've completely disconnected from these natural roots. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but it's funny though, because I, um, when you started talking to me about, you know, the healing properties of plants and whatnot, my grandmother, she has, she, she had, she passed away. She has, she had a book that was, mm-hmm. I don't know, 50 odd years old, maybe 70 years mm-hmm. old. Um, and it was the, it was like, um, an encyclopedia of plants basically. And so whenever she felt, you know, a cold coming or whatever, she would just look up the illness and then that would tell her what plants would help her heal it. And Mm. she swore by her plants. And I still remember she used to give me a lot of, um, celery, you know, she cooked celery Mm. and then that Mm. water, she would make me drink it. (laughs) Oh, yummy. (laughs) I know, <laughs> but you know, grandma knows best. So yeah, plant remedies aren't always the most delicious, but uh, they're very useful. <laughs> yeah, they are. Absolutely. So tell me about, you know, why did you move around so much? Because I like that. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in California and then when I was 21 years old, I studied abroad in Spain and that was my first time outside of the states and it was like i got out i saw this new country and it was like i realized there was this there's this whole world out there that i had access to <laughs> and i just i was obsessed with traveling after that and i i had always been obsessed with the spanish language like ever since i was a really little kid i had this weird thing like i really wanted to learn how to speak spanish and, you know, I kind of perfected my, well, I didn't perfect my Spanish in Spain, but I, I really kind of got con- conversational with it. And then after that, it was like, I looked for any excuse to get out of the country. And I, after I graduated from college, I went to Costa Rica and I taught English there. And then I moved back for grad school. And then I got a scholarship to study in Mexico. And then I quit grad school and just moved back to Mexico. And, and I ended up living in Mexico for eight years. And then I moved down to Argentina for five years um, and then ended up in the UK. So. Yeah, lots, lots of Latin America. Well, that's very, you know, it's interesting because um, I'm not going to say most, but many uh, American people that I know, I mean, they do enjoy traveling, but they're not as keen as, you know, some of us are to like yeah. experience different cultures in terms of just yeah. like immersing yourself in them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for me, it came from an obsession with the Spanish language, which is really weird. And I don't know where it came from, but I remember as young as like three or four years old, I wanted to speak Spanish. Like that was my thing. And so I think that was what gave me that desire to not just travel, but live in Spanish speaking countries because I wanted to speak the language. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I get it. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, I mean, it is unusual though, right? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Also, you know, uh, in general, people who speak English as their mother tongue or native English speakers mm-hmm. tend 
tend, not all of them, but most of them tend to not learn any other language. Yeah, I was really lucky. Um, a friend of mine who I went to high school with studied abroad in France the year before I went to Spain. And she, I remember her writing me a letter. This was before email. And she said, Holly, if you get the opportunity to study abroad, do it. It's life changing. And I just got the chills. So I said that the second I got that letter, I just thought, okay, I've got to do this. And I did it the following year and it absolutely changed my life. How so? What is it the thing that you recall most about how your life changed? It was just that opening up to new cultures and new ways of doing things and new ways of living. And I remember the year coming to an end and just thinking, I don't want to go back to California. Like, I'm not ready for this. I want to stay here. And, and that was why I looked for other opportunities to get out of the States and go to other countries. Um, but I just, I just loved, I just loved it so much, you know, having different cultures, really. I mean, it just, it was like, it opened my eyes up to, to new worlds. I mean, I, my roommates were Greek. Um, I lived with Spanish people for a while. It, as soon as I got there, I kind of avoided the Americans because I was there to learn Spanish and I wanted to you know, do the Spanish thing. So, so yeah, my friends were from all over Europe. It was, it was just, it was just a whole new world. It was really, really great. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. All right, let's talk about you and your decision about becoming child-free. Yeah. How did that come about? I've been thinking about this today because I knew we were going to talk about this. And I knew as early as like high school that I was child-free. And I remember saying, I'm, I'm an only child. And I remember at some point in high school having this conversation with my mother and very bluntly saying to her, you need to give up on your idea of grandkids because I'm not having kids. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know, I know. I, like, I think back to this and I think, my God, how did I say that? But that was it. I said that to her and she was like, okay. And we never talked about it again until this year. We had a conversation about it. And she never gave me grief over it. She never said, oh, I wish I had grandkids. Like, we never discussed it ever again. And so I knew from, you know, teenage years that I didn't want kids. but. I second guessed myself my entire life because I didn't have any role models of women who were child free. And so it was like, I knew I didn't want kids, but I didn't really realize that was a valid life choice. Mm. So it was like, I was constantly going back and forth, like, do I want kids? Do I not want kids? Do I want kids? Do I not want kids? And then when I hit 35, it was like, I had that kind of rush of hormones where my body was like, last chance, last chance. And, and I kind of went crazy and I just gotten divorced about that time and um, split up with my ex. And, and I thought, oh my God, what if I do want kids? Like, I've just lost my connection to sperm. <laughs> like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> like, what do I do if I want kids? What do I do? And so I started Googling and I was like, well, there's a sperm donor. I can get a sperm donor. And like, I started Googling all the stuff and I was, got to the point where I was like, what am I even doing? And then I had a conversation with a friend and she was like, chill. It's like just the hormones this is natural. If you don't want kids, you don't want kids, but like your body's telling you this is your last chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and it really wasn't until a few years later when I hit 40 that I looked around and I realized that a lot of my friends were child-free by choice. Oh, really? And yeah. And that was when I realized I was like, okay, this is okay. Like I can give up this debate. Do I want them? Do I not want them? Because I don't want them. I never wanted them. 
and it's okay because also, you know, I'm now today I'm 46, so probably not super fertile. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Like <laughs> I've, I've like back to point one where I don't want kids, you know, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> yeah, full circle. But it was it was so many years. Like it was a, it was a lifetime of debate because I just I didn't really realize that was okay. I just thought I was weird and didn't want kids. Yeah, that happens to many child-free people. Mm. What is it that you recall that made you feel like that the most? Well, I think it just. I mean, when I think back to being like a really little girl, I didn't even have baby dolls. I played with like stuffed animals. I had like my horses. And I remember one time asking for a baby doll for Christmas, I think it was. And I got her and I didn't know what to do with her. <laughs> like, you know, you see little girls, they like carry it around and they put it to bed. And it was like, I had this baby doll and I was like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I didn't know how to play with it. I did not, I just did not have that instinct. So I think it was just, I, I think I've just been naturally child free my whole life because. I cannot ever recall wanting kids. And I remember, you know, babysitting when I was like 12 and doing it because it was a job because everyone else did it. And, but also not really being into the babies, you know, like I just did it because that's what people did. But I've just never really felt that, I've never really felt like I wanted babies. I understand. Um, you know, it's, it's funny though, because like you said, it's like, I didn't know... You say, you didn't know that was possible, right? You know, that was a choice is what I hear most. Yeah. I don't know. I had the yeah. choice to not become a mom. But mm. normally that, that pressure comes from, from the outside. But you, mm. I hear, I mean, you heard about, you know, your mother and she seems to be mm. very, you know, understanding of your choice. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I never had pressure from anyone in my family. And, and the conversation that we actually had this year was her saying that, that my aunt and my grandmother used to say to her, oh, that's so sad that you're never going to have grandkids. It's too bad that Holly doesn't have kids. And I was shocked because she never passed any of that on to me. Like I had no idea that they were giving her grief about it. Mm. And she said, you know, it's, it's, it's her personal decision. It's a very personal decision. Like, you know, this is not my place. I had no idea they were giving her, you know, grief about it, but she never passed that on to me. I never had any pressure from anyone but I still questioned myself because I didn't have that example. Yeah. Yeah. I think because it's so embedded in, in our mind, yeah. and culturally speaking in society. Yeah. And it's so, and, and also, have you noticed that we get bombarded every day by ads that are geared towards families or moms? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the time. absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's the, the normal thing to do. And I say that with air quotes, but like the vast majority of the population still does that. So, you yeah. know. Exactly. Mind, mindlessly sometimes, which yeah. is the worst. Yeah, I know. I know. I yeah. know. But hold on. I really want to know about why, I mean, your friends. So most of your friends are child-free. You well, are so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so most of my friends from high school have kids. Most of my friends from college have kids. But it, the friends that I've made in the last, I would say, eight or nine, ten years of my life are the ones that are child-free. And, and again, I didn't even realize that until a few years ago. I just kind of looked around and went, ah, she doesn't have kids. She doesn't have kids. She doesn't have kids. Oh, a lot of my friends don't have kids. So, um, and, and it was by choice, not because they couldn't. So, yeah, but I think, that, again, that's a result of, as I get older, having friends that are aligned with who I am and knowing myself and attracting those kinds of people. 
I was going to say exactly that because at the beginning, when you said about your friends, I, I thought, oh, you know, old friends as in, you know, high school friends or yeah. college friends, that would be really strange. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because in my case, most of them have kids. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, yes, I mean, I completely agree with you after, you know, make a decision and, and you're not vocal as in militant about it, but at least you are yeah. like, yeah, you're not shy to say, I don't want kids and I respect, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm whatever choice you make, that's your problem. Uh, but I don't want them. You start, I think your energy shifts and you start attracting yeah. people that are okay. I mean, okay. Or even, you know, people who share that, that kind of thought with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the people that know me well know that this is the right choice for me. Like, I think if I suddenly got pregnant or like adopted a kid, people would be like, what the heck is wrong with her? Like, I mean, like, that would be very much out of character for people that know me. <laughs> Especially someone that likes to travel so much as you do. Exactly. Having kids, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. You got me wondering about something else now, because you said you got divorced in your mid thirties, right? Yeah. Yeah. And after, you know, you had that crisis with your uterus going, ah, let's have a baby, last call, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then you shut that down. It's good, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> after that, how has dating been for you? Well, I got married to my second husband about a year after, I don't know, a couple of years after that. Yeah. So I was alone for about a year. And then my husband, I'd met, I'd met him years earlier because we, we were in the same spiritual group, but he was just kind of this guy I knew and didn't really cross paths with him that often. And then we got together about a year or so after I split up with my ex. So yeah, there wasn't much dating. It was kind of like me, <laughs> then I was alone, then we just kind of start hanging out with friends and then it, it happened. <laughs> and, and he's child free by choice as well. Well, I, this is, yeah, this is an issue. Like he's not a hundred percent sure, but he's also not raring to have kids. So like the jury's out, but we have cats, not kids. So I don't know. And, and, you know, I was talking to him before, cause he was like, what's this podcast that you're doing? And I told him and he was like, oh, I don't know how the cats are going to feel about that because you're not really child free. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's not 100% child free, but he's, he's still undecided and he's 41 years old. So I think, uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a friend. A friend she's child free by choice as well. And her husband... Uh, she says his, her husband is ambivalent about it. He's not a non-fencer per se. You know, someone yeah. non-fencer is like, I'm not really sure. But ambivalent is like, if I have them, cool. If I don't have them, yeah. cool. So he's like, you know, whatever. And, yeah. and, and she's very clear about the fact that she doesn't want to have any kids. So, you know, yeah. they make it work. Yeah. I think, I think the problem was that I was still like confused when we got married and, um, and so we kind of didn't go into this with the clarity, but Things are good, so. <laughs> yeah, but you know, after some after a certain age, because I was talking to this um, with a friend, I was talking to a friend about this uh, recently. After yeah. a certain age, when you start dating a guy, because I told her, I was, she was like, oh, how did this date went with a, with a guy? And I was like, oh, he wants kids. And she was like, Ooh. you talk about this on the first date? Like, what are you doing? You know, like, and I was mm. like, dude, I'm 36. I cannot... Mm not talk about this on the first date. Yeah. After, can you imagine like being in a relationship for six months or whatever, a guy proposes yeah. and you're like, by the way, I don't want any kids. And the guy's like, yeah, oh, exactly. I want to have five. Like, yeah. That's the end <laughs> of the whole relationship. There's yeah. nothing to do there. So, yeah. you know, 
when you're younger, it doesn't matter, but no, it doesn't. Cause you never know what's going to happen. But I, I think if I were dating or like doing the online dating thing, like that would definitely be in my profile because I don't want to waste anyone's time. And I know I don't, I mean, obviously again, I'm 46. So, it's not, <laughs> so what kids am I going to have? But like, I, I don't, you know, clearly don't want them. So yeah, I, mean, I, know. I mean, people who are 46, yeah. you can, you could always adopt or foster yeah, kids, exactly. but I mean, yeah. You're like, yeah. Yeah. No, I'd rather have cats. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we are. Well, I completely agree with you. <laughs> so you also have a podcast. Yes, I do. And what is your podcast about? It's called Into the Woods, and it's about Into the Woods of you. So it's about who are you, where are you in your life, where are you going, getting to know you. It's all about self-knowledge so that you can create the life that you want, because as you can hear from this conversation, I was really confused for a long time. <laughs> so, so my life for the last 10 years has been kind of a journey of getting to know myself so that I can make the right decisions for me and not end up Googling about sperm donors at the age of 35 <laughs> <laughs> when I don't want kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, okay. And all your books, because you're an author of nine books, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So and everything is about helping people to get to know themselves better. No, it's not. I've like oh. had this kind of complete depart. I've, I've had a lot of shifts over the last few years. So the first four books are about business mindset because that used to be my thing. Oh, okay. and, then, and then I have another four books about walking long distance trails here in England. And then the ninth book is the tree book, which was a complete departure from everything that I've done before. Yeah. And, and the co-authors were the trees. I love that. I, yes, I really exactly. Do. Yes. I really absolutely <laughs> love that. Where can we get your book? Is it on Amazon? Yep. It's on Amazon. It's called If Trees Could Talk, Life Lessons from the Wisdom of the Woods. Awesome. All right. I'm going to leave you guys a link down here to Holly's book on Amazon so you can get and grab a copy. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Holly. Is there anything else you would like to add before I let you go? No, just uh, know yourself. And if you feel like your gut's saying that you don't want kids, then listen to that, despite what everyone else is doing around you. Just listen to your gut. Listen to yourself. You know best. Very wise words. Right, guys, I'm going to leave you Holly's Instagram and Facebook and all her links down here so you can check her out and follow her. And uh, well, thanks again for your time, Holly. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire. <laughs>